Good morning, Grace. Glad to have everybody with us today on this nice, warm, sticky, moist day. And we're going to continue on with our series in Leviticus. Everybody's so pumped about Leviticus. That's right. Anyway, if you guys don't know me, my name is Sam Ferris, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Grace. And, and if you ever come to first service, you never know who I am because I always forget to say who I am. But anyway... So if you're new here or you're watching online, you're new. My name is Sam Ferris, and, and I'm glad you're here with us today. Again, we're continuing on with our study and our, you know, our diving deep into Leviticus. And what is this Old Testament rituals and, and sacrifices? What is it trying to tell us? How can we apply it to our lives? And, and I don't know about you, but my eyes have been greatly opened here lately because of you read through Leviticus, or you read Leviticus, and you're like, well, that's kind of interesting, but I have no idea how it applies to me, or, or that's kind of that's gross. What's wrong with people back then, right? So kind of all those emotions. But uh, I want to know, if any, has anyone ever in here had a job, or you've seen someone do a job, and it was so dirty or so dangerous that you walked away smiling, and you were thanking God that you didn't have to do that? And that's kind of what we're going to see with Aaron and his sons today in Leviticus 8 and 9. I have to tell a story about myself. Uh, many of you know my, my stepdad, Shorty. I worked for him in the summers and before I went to school and stuff. And so I've done a lot of work with him in construction. And one day we got a call to a car wash. And, and this didn't make sense to me because this was kind of out of our normal wheelhouse, per se. And I didn't understand why we were going to the car wash to work. Car wash had already been built. Well, supposedly in this car wash there were different tanks in each bay, and that's where all the you know the nice clean soapy water goes. Not goes into these tanks, and then it gets fed into a bigger main tank away from the car wash. So this tank was completely full. It needed to be cleaned out. And again, while we were there, I didn't know. So we we opened the lids and. Oh, my Lord. And this, was, this has been about 15, 20 years ago, so it still lives with me. It still haunts me to this day. And I've seen lots of nasty stuff. I've been in some nasty things. But this tank was incredibly gross. It was full of this ungodly, unworldly sludge, black, stinky, had... I didn't, why is anyone's cars that dirty? And so I thought, well, why are we here? Well, it was to get pumped. But it was so thick that it could not be pumped out. So guess what? Me being the smallest of the group, I was the only one that could fit down the hole to get into the tank. Luckily, we were blessed with a hazmat suit without the hood. But anyway, at least my body was, was clean. And so I had to get in there with a shovel and I had to scrape the walls of this tank. And I was like up to here in stuff. And, you know, I've been to people's houses before. I've opened up septic tanks before. And, you know, that smelled good compared to this stuff. I seen stuff in this tank that had no business being in that tank. So when you guys go to the car wash, make sure 
that nothing goes in that tank except dirty water. Trust me. But anyway, I'm so, again, it just no one served in ministry at Grace Community Church until you've cleaned out the grease trap in the kitchen. So if you haven't yet, we'll get you signed up, get you on the list. That way you can help us out there. I'm kidding. Anyway, we're going to see Aaron and his sons in chapter 8 and 9. And this is kind of a different type of ritual and a different type of sacrifices that, that we've seen in, in the past and previous chapters. You know, Teresa talked to us about all the different burnt offerings and the sin offerings and the grain offerings. And all those had a purpose. They, they covered sins. They, they sent up sacrifices to please God, to thank him for fellowship. Right? So they, he was there with them. But we're going to see a, a different kind of sacrifice, a different kind of ritual today. And it's really going to speak to you this morning. Because I know when I read through this, I was telling our, our youth team in our group text that th- this last couple of weeks going over this, my, my eyes have truly been open and, and I've really gotten uh, spoke to by the Holy Spirit this week because I've not been doing all the things that I should be doing that he's telling us in Leviticus 8 and 9. And I'm pretty sure when you guys start hearing this and listening to this, you'll, you'll be in my shoes as well. But there's a lot that we can take from this. I'm not going to be reading all parts of the chapter, so most of it will be up on the Sky Bible. I'm going to be paraphrasing just a little bit. But I really want this to speak to you today. So before we do that, um, so this was a very dirty, dangerous proposition for Aaron and his sons to be ordained into the ministry, to be a priest. See, if they made one little mistake, if they left one eye not dotted or one T not crossed, if they did one step that did not please God, they could go out in a body bag. So this was a dirty and Dangerous proposition. Dirty because they were making sacrifices. And let's just face it, if you've never been to a slaughterhouse, you don't know what sacrificing actually looks like. I do. Some of you would not eat anymore. Like, I'm a vegetarian now. It's not pleasant. It's dirty. This work was dirty. It was dangerous. But yet they were called and they were set apart. See, not all people had this power. See, God's intended purpose for his people were for them all to be priests. They were all to be able to go to him. But because they're dirty and they're sinful, just like us, and they messed up, and they made the, the golden calf, and they messed up so soon, they said, okay, we've got we to have a different system. So he chose Moses, and he chose the Levites to be the priests for all the people. So one group of people. So with this power that they had through God, it was also... A great responsibility. So the title today is, With Great Power Comes Great Responsibility. Now, I don't know if Spider-Man's uncle or Winston Churchill came up with this, but it truly applies to what we're going to be learning about in 8 and 9. With great power comes great responsibility. With this power that they had, they had a, a great responsibility for the people. See, God desired to be with them. God desired to be with his people. Yet, they were unclean. They were unworthy. They did not have the blood applied. But he wanted to be with them. As Teresa told us last week, it was a system of sacrifices. Blood had to be spilled. Something had to die. 
To be clean, blood must be spilled. To be forgiven, something had to die. Death was a part of this. It was God's way. To worship God was to sacrifice the life of a bull, the life of a ram, the life of a goat. It was to sacrifice grain. It was to sacrifice their time. It was to sacrifice their money and their, and their crops. All that was to worship him. That was the way that they worshiped God. That was the way they pleased him. So the grain, the livestock had to be sacrificed to please and thank God for the forgiveness that they received, the forgiveness that they truly didn't deserve. See, these offerings and these sacrifices, they display God's reaching out to these sinful people. I'm reaching out to you. I I want to be with you, but this is what you have to do. And that's what we're going to be focused on in chapters 8 and 9, the ordination of Aaron and his sons into the priesthood, into the job, the dirty and dangerous job of being the priest for the entire nation, for millions of people. They were the direct line to God for the people. So we're going to see how this Old Testament system applies to us today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just lift up your name, and Lord, we just welcome your presence to this building, this room. To anyone watching online, Lord, to just feel your, your spirit and their presence. Lord, just speak to us today. Open our ears so that we hear your word and we hear your voice. Open up our hearts, Lord, that you can, you can show us how to, to love others, that you can show us what you're trying to tell us here in Leviticus. Lord, you're welcome here. Lord, I lift up everyone in this room watching online. There's, there's people that are hurting today. There are people that, that are going through hard times. There, there's people that don't feel like being here, but yet they're here. There's people at home that don't feel like getting out of bed, but yet they're listening. Lord, I lift them up to you. Lord, just speak to us today. If there's anyone here that does not know you, let this be the day that they know you as their priest before they walk out. In your name we pray, amen. So begin chapter 8 with God telling Moses, all right, it's time. Aaron, get your sons, go gather up everything that we need for this service. Everything that we need. So go get the sacred garments, go to the tailors and the artisans and get the sacred garments that, we, that we've talked about, the, the robes and all that stuff. Run up all the supplies. We need anointing oil. We need a bull for the sin offering. We need goats and rams. We need a basket of bread without yeast. That's key. So Moses calls out the entire community. So millions of people were invited outside of the temple, outside of the tent. So here we see at the tabernacle, this is like the first tent revival. Everybody was there. Everyone was there to witness the ordination of Aaron and his sons. Because these guys were going to be the ones that were going to do all the sacrifices and carry all the sins away for the people. But see, before they could do these things, before they could go, they had to be clean. See, Moses follows God's command and presents Aaron and his sons by washing them. So the first step, they had to be clean. So they had to have this holy bath. They were dirty. They were unclean, and not only physically, but 
spiritually as well. Not only were they dirty on the outside, but they were dirty on the inside because just like us, they were going to do God's work, but they were going to do it imperfectly because they were imperfect. So they had to be clean. So they had a holy bath. And so they had to have new BVDs, so they had to put it on the underwear. They had to put on clean underwear. They had to put on the tunics. And this represented them being clothed in God's righteousness. That they were dirty on the inside, but they were clothed with God's forgiveness. That they were clothed with his holiness. And see, it was just only borrowed holiness. It was nothing that they earned. It was borrowed. It was made of pure white linen. Clothed in his righteousness. The breast piece. When we talked about the breast piece, they put on the breast piece and it had the 12 tribes of Israel. So that the people, every tribe, every person that the Hebrew nation was on their hearts. So every time they went to God's presence, they were carrying the hearts of the people with them. Their, their troubles, their pain, their sins were on their hearts. They had the shoulder pieces. Each tribe was on their shoulders. So when they went into the temple, the weight of everyone's sin, the weight of the entire nation was on their shoulders. A huge responsibility. All the weight of the sins of the people of the world were on their shoulders. It was being carried by them. With great power comes great responsibility. So Moses presents the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the offering for Aaron and his sons because, again, they needed to be forgiven too. They needed to be cleansed because they were not perfect. So we're going to pick up in verse 10. And it should be up here. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, making them holy. Now, I want to stop right there for a second because that word holy in this text means set apart. And the anointing oil represents the Holy Spirit. So everything was being anointed by the Holy Spirit to be set apart, to be made holy. He sprinkled the oil on the altar seven times, anointing it and all of its utensils as well as the wash basin and its stand, making them holy. Then he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, anointing him and making him holy for his work. Next, Moses presented Aaron's sons. He clothed them in their tunics. He tied their sashes around them and put their special head coverings on them, just as the Lord commanded him. And that last phrase there, just as the Lord commanded him, in, in chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10, it's over 20-something times that it's the Lord just as the Lord commanded him. So it was important that they do exactly everything that the Lord commanded to a T. Everything had to be done exactly how God commanded it. So here we see that after Moses gives Aaron and the boys a holy bath and dresses them in their priestly garments, he then anoints everything with oil. Nothing was uncovered. With oil. Everything was covered. Everything was covered in the Holy Spirit. It was saying, God, your Holy Spirit is here. We're, we're putting you on everything. You have control over everything. It's not us. It's you. you. You have control in this tabernacle. It's not us. So it represents the Holy Spirit. And it represents them not depending on their flesh, but depending on the Holy Spirit. They were covered in oil. They were covered in the Holy Spirit. See, the priest anointed became an instrument. It became a tool for God to use for his purpose, for his glory. 
They were not their own at that time. They were to do his work. Yet they were still sinners. They were still dirty. They needed that bath. They needed to be cleaned. But yet they were covered. They were set apart. But see, this holiness was only temporary. It was only borrowed. They were only covered because they were still sinful. And so in verses 14 through 21, Moses then presents the sin offering and the whole burnt offering to the priest. Because even though Aaron and his sons were being covered, they were anointed, they had the Holy Spirit. It just talked about every step that they took, everything that they did in the temple, every walk of their ministry, everything that they did as a priest, they would do it imperfectly, just like we do. In our walk of life, when we're, we're, we're trying to help others, when we're praying for others, when we're trying to lead others to Christ, every step we take when we try to do our priestly duties, we do it imperfectly because through ourselves it's useless, but because we're covered in the Holy Spirit, it's for His purpose. It's borrowed holiness. So this shows us that even though they were anointed, even though they were covered by the Holy Spirit, even though they were clothed in God's righteousness, they still needed atonement. They still needed forgiveness. They were still not worthy to go in the temple. They were still not worthy to go to God. They had to be covered. They had to have that. And as Teresa talked last week, Aaron and the, and the priests, when they, when they did the sin offering, they had to lay their hands on the ram, and they had to put their weight on the ram, their full weight And they had to sacrifice the ram by their own hands. This was the dirty, hard work. And they had to sacrifice these. And as all their weight was put on, it signifies that this animal is sacrificing itself for me so I can do my priestly duties. All their weight. All the weight of their bodies and all the weight of the sins of all the people in the nation of Israel, their weight was on those sacrifices. See, they, through this action, they identified themselves with the animal, animal that was to be killed. They're saying, this animal is dying in my place. This animal that's going to shed its blood should be my blood that's spilled, but yet it's dying in my place. This animal is going to die the death that we all deserve, yet it's sacrificing itself for us. So now we're going to pick up with a different kind of offering. This is the offering of ordination. And this is kind of the, the uh, meat of the sermon. No, the pun is intended on that one. But as we read through this, I'm gonna, I want you to notice three things about it. So we're going to see some of the sacrifices. We're going to see some of the spilling of blood and how it's applied. And I don't know if you're like me. The first time I read this, I'm like, why in the world was blood applied in the places it was applied? But my eyes were, were open. And see, when you read the Old Testament, you have to read the Old Testament as if it's the New Testament because the new is concealed in the old. And sometimes when we read the New Testament, the old is revealed. So the New Testament is in here. But again, we're going to pick up at verse 22. It says, Then Moses presented the other ram, which was the ram of ordination. So after they then the burnt offering and then the sin offering, this was the ram of ordination. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the ram's head, and Moses slaughtered it. Then Moses took some of its blood and applied it to the lobe of Aaron's right ear. 
to the thumb of his right hand and the big toe of his right foot. Next, Moses presented Aaron's sons and applied some of the blood to the lobes of the right ears, the thumbs of the right hands, and the big toes of the right feet. He then splattered the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Next, Moses took the fat, including the fat of the broad tail, the fat around the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, and two kidneys, and the fat around them, along with the right thigh. On top of these, he placed a thin cake of bread made without yeast, a cake of mixed bread mixed with olive oil, and a wafer spread with olive oil. All these were taken from the basket of bread made without yeast. That was placed in the Lord's presence. He put all these in the hands of Aaron and his sons. He lifted them up as a special offering to the Lord. Moses then took all the offerings back from them and burned them on the altar, on top of the burnt offering. This was the ordination offering. It was a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. The Lord was getting the best. This was the ordination offering. It was a pleasing aroma. It's a special gift presented to the Lord. Then Moses took the breast and lifted it up as a special offering to the Lord. This was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination, just as the Lord commanded him. See, Moses, he kind of got his cut too. Next, Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood that was on the altar, and he sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments, and on his sons and in all their garments. In this way, he made Aaron and his sons and their garments holy, and at this time, the artisans that made the garments probably fainted because their hard work was now covered in oil and in blood. There's a purpose. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the remaining meat of the offerings at the tabernacle entrance and eat it there, along with the bread that is in the basket of offerings for the ordination, just as I commanded when I said Aaron and his sons will eat it. Any meat or bread that is left over must be then burned up. You must not leave the tabernacle entrance for seven days. For that is written when the ordination ceremony will be completed. Everything we have done today was commanded by the Lord in order to purify you, making you right with him. Now stay at the entrance of the tabernacle day and night for seven days and do everything the Lord requires. If you fail to do this, you will die. For this is what the Lord has commanded. So Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord had commanded through Moses. So three things about this strange ordination blood ritual that we really need to dive into. This is first. Moses takes the fat, the kidneys, and he burns them for the Lord. See, fat in our culture kind of represents something that's bad. Usually when you, when you cook meat, you cut the fat away. Some of you leave it on there. Some of you like that taste. It, it kind of has a negative thing, but fat back then represented the best. It represented the best. So he gave the fat to God. The second thing is the priests were separated for seven days. This showed that their transformation from just Aaron and his sons to godly priests did not happen instantly. It did not happen overnight. They were to be set apart. They were to be set apart from everyone else. They were set apart from everyone else's sin. They were to be purified in God's glory. 
They had to be separated before they began their ministry. See, this represented them being set apart for the Lord. They belonged to God. They were no longer just Aaron and his sons. They were, they were priests. They had a huge responsibility to the entire nation. They belonged to God. Third, it's not all bad, though, because for seven days, they would be eating this consecrated bread, this bread that was devoted and sacrificed to God. See, this is a foreshadowing of Christ. That first communion, when he said, this is my body that is broken for you. And they ate it. And every time we do communion and that bread, we take and eat, it simplifies his body that's broken for us. And so I can't help but think if Aaron and his sons were just thinking, this is the life. We get to eat all this meat. We get to eat this bread. Did they truly realize what that represented? Did they truly realize that that represented someone that one day would come and die Everyone, that one day all these sacrifices would be ended by one and final sacrifice for all. But it represented our communion with Him. See, it was showing that they were drawing their substance from God. So every little, any teeny tiny bit of power that they were getting was coming from God's presence. It had nothing to do with their abilities, they were feeding on Him and His Word. So I'm going to go back to verses 23 and 24. Because this blood applied. This blood applied to their bodies. It meant something. It means something. 23 and 24. Moses took some of its blood and applied it to the lobe of Aaron's right ear, the thumb of his right hand, and the big toe of his right foot. Next, Moses presented Aaron's sons and applied some of the blood to the lobes of their right ears, the thumbs of their right hands, and the big toes of their right feet. He then splattered the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. So you see this blood, this spilling of the blood, this application of the blood symbolizes the atonement through the death of one to another. So when the blood is applied, it reminds them to their need to die to oneself daily. They would see the blood on their ear. They would see the blood on their hands. They would see the blood on their feet and know that even though they were dirty, they were unclean, they were unfit, they were unworthy, they had the blood applied. They were able to do God's work because of the blood. They were set apart because of the blood. Even though they were dirty and sinful, even though they were just like the rest of the Israelites, even though they're just like us, they had the blood applied. It set them apart. So this is significant. Because in Christ, if you have Christ living in your heart, if he is your personal savior, I want you to know something. You have a great responsibility because we become priests. And he wants us not only to be priests, but effective priests. In 1 Peter, he tells us, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. He called you. He called me. He is our priest. We become royal priests. So we have that huge responsibility laid on our shoulders. And sometimes that's uncomfortable 
the, the dirty, dangerous job of being a priest is not just for them, it's for us. And sometimes it's dangerous, sometimes it's dirty, and sometimes we just don't want to do it. Sometimes we don't feel worthy enough to do it. But I want to notice, just notice something. This, this is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus is already on there for us. So he leads us there. Jesus has already gone before us. So blood on the ear. Why is that important? Because an effective priest must hear not only the word in God's voice, but they must hear others. They must hear others. So they had that blood applied so they could tune in and focus in on God's voice, on God's voice, on his word. And see, for us to be effective priests, we have to be in his word. We have to have that blood applied to our ears where we can hear his voice so we can be effective priests. We need to hear others. We need to be committed. When Moses applied that blood to their ears, that they be committed to hearing God's voice. They didn't go in the tabernacle to party. They went in there to listen to God. They were in there to get close to God. They had to hear his voice. They needed him. They needed to listen to him to have life. They had major repercussions if they didn't. If they, do, if they did anything that they weren't supposed to do, they would go out in body bags. Sometimes it's like that way for us. If we don't listen to him, if we don't listen to his commands, it has bad consequences to our lives. They needed to listen to him to have life. They didn't do exactly what he said. They didn't follow exactly to his instructions. They could die. And it's kind of like being a parent. So you want your children to listen to you. You want them to listen to every word you say, right? And they actually do it, don't they? So you want them to be safe. You want them to follow your voice. You want them to follow you. You want them to, to follow your direction. You want them to hear your voice and follow you and to listen to everything that you say. See, it's so easy for us to become deaf to God's voice because we have all outside noise coming in our ears. And it's hard for us to block out the noise of the world. It's hard for us to block out Satan's voice telling you you're not good enough or you can't do this. You, you're not good enough to listen to someone's problems because of all that noise around us who distracts us. And see, let's be honest with ourselves for a second. We all have the tendency to ignore things that we want to ignore. We all have the tendency to unhear things that we don't want to hear. And guys, we call that selective hearing, Right? We use that. And just last night, I went through this. We were having family time, and it was almost bedtime. We were watching TV, and, of course, me being a guy, all my attention was to what was going on on, on the television, and it was interesting. And Carson said, hey, Dad, Dad, I've got something for you. And he said, it's in my pocket. And for some odd reason, I thought he was, said it, he wanted me to try it. I'm thinking, well, he's been with Grandpa, so there's no telling what he's got in his pocket. And so he handed it to me, to me and I, I'm looking at this object that he had in his pocket, and I'm looking at it, and it's kind of dark, and it's like, and I, so I smell, I, why, I don't know why I smelled it, but it didn't smell like anything. He's like, son, this is hard as a rock. And he's like, well, dad, that is a rock. So he, he just wanted me to look at it. 
You see, I didn't have my ears on. I didn't have my listening ears on. I didn't hear everything that he said. My selective hearing was working just fine. I almost ate a rock. (laughs) So you have to be careful for the garbage that's coming into your ear. See, that blood applied to the ears. Every time that someone sits next to you or every time someone comes to you, an effective priest is someone who hears the word. An effective priest hears God's direction. But not only that, an effective priest hears others. You're there to be an ear to someone that's hurting. That might be the only way that you help them that day is just to be sitting there and listening to them. And sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes you don't feel like listening to other people's problems. Well, guess what? God's going to sacrifice your comfort because you're called to be his priest. So an effective priest has the blood applied on their ears so they can hear God's voice, they can hear God's word and what it's telling them, and they can hear others around them. We need to hear others with anointed ears. We need to hear the the needs of other people around us. We need to hear the people at our workplace, in our jobs, in school. See, sometimes God's just telling you, just sit and listen. Just sit and listen. Not just hear me, but listen. Sometimes that's all they need is for you to go to the Father on their behalf. They're hurting. They need you. You are their priest at that moment. That's a huge responsibility. See, God's a loving parent, and he wants us to be safe. God is a loving parent, and he wants us to follow his voice. He wants us to follow every command. Even though we don't feel like it, he wants us to be safe. It's like telling your kids not to touch those pretty red rings on the stove. It's to keep them safe. So we have to stay in his word. We have to listen to his voice. We have to minister to those around us. We have to listen to those like our ears are stained with his blood. Our ears are ordained. It's not our ears, but it's his. It's his blood that enables us to hear his voice, to hear his word, and to listen to others. That's how you be an effective priest. Second, blood on the thumb. An effective priest works with his hands that constantly remind us that we need to be clean, that even though our hands are dirty, even though our hands are dirty, they're applied with his blood. We can, we can do his work because the blood is applied. And let's just face it, our thumbs are important. Your thumbs make you thumbbody. Our thumbs enable you to give thumbs up. Our thumbs enable us to grasp things and pick things up and to do work. They are important. In Judges, it talks about how kings, when, they were, when their kingdom was taken over and the kings were put into bondage, one of their punishments were to have their thumbs cut off and to have their toes cut off. So the rest of them were left alone, but their thumbs were cut off. And see, I don't know if you know anything about swords, but they're kind of heavy. So a, a king or a knight or someone like that could not hold a sword without a thumb. It would just fall over. And you cannot fight with a sword if you didn't have balance with your toes. Thumbs are important. Thumbs enable you to do work. They give you the ability to do actions and carry out work. See, what God's saying to Aaron, what God's saying when Moses put that blood on their thumbs and on his son's thumbs, is that he's saying that not only 
or we're to listen with anointed ears to his voice, we're also to carry them out. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Well, my hands are not worthy to do his work. I don't, I don't feel like doing that today. Then you look down and you see the blood on your hands, and it reminds you that you can, not by your own power, but because the blood is applied to your hands. Your hands are ordained and anointed to do his work. You are called as a priest. The blood has been applied to your life. And every time that you look at our hands, you see that they're dirty, that you're not worthy enough. Yeah, by our own actions, all of our works are useless. They're, they're, they're worthless. But with the blood applied, we carry out his work. It's his work. It reminds us that we can't be proud. We can't be boastful. Whatever we accomplish with our hands is through him, because of him, because of his blood. But see, he's calling us to do that. And sometimes it's uncomfortable to do his work. Sometimes we don't want to do his work. But see, on our own, we can do nothing. On our own, it's all in vain. And it's all for the wrong purpose. And see, this is what Philippians 4.13 4, is all about. We hear it all the time. We can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. These are the things that he's talking about. Being his ears, being his hands to do his work. Just because you don't feel like it, just because you think you're unworthy, just because you think that, you're, that you can't or that you don't want to, yes, you can because he gives you the power and the strength to do his work because of his blood, not our own. It's his strength. We can't be proud. We can't be boastful. That blood is on our hands. We have to have that holy bath and that divine blood on our hands. See, by his power, we can do his work, his priestly duties. And see, that calling is different from all of us. It could be youth ministry. It could be children's ministry. It could be coffee ministry. It could be greeters. You name it. It could be you're the minister at your workplace. You may be the only godly person in your workplace. You may be the only Jesus that someone sees that day. Students, you may be the only Jesus that someone sees in your classroom. Be that priest. It's not always easy. But on your own, you cannot do it. But because the blood is applied to your ears, because the blood is applied to your hands, you can do it. You are made worthy. You are made worthy. On our own, we accomplish nothing, but, but through him, we accomplish everything. So not only that, we see blood on the toe. See, an effective priest walks with God. Not only do we have to listen to his voice, not only do we have to carry out his works, but we have to walk with him daily. And see, my great-grandfather used to sing the song, he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I'm his own. And even though I was just a little, little kid, that stuck with me, that our Heavenly Father loves us enough to walk with us, and He wants you to walk with Him daily. See, even though you're a sinner, even though you're dirty, He still wants to walk right beside you. He wants to lead you to where He wants you to go. Even though we're a sinner, even though we're dirty, we're covered by His blood. That blood is applied to our toes. So when we think, no, God, I cannot, I cannot go there. Well, that's uncomfortable. You look down and you see the blood applied to your toe. And it reminds you, oh, God, I remember you're going before me. Through your power, I can go there. You're going to lead 
my path. You're going to guide me. We have to rely on him. Say, anyone that's had a big toe injury, anytime you ever stubbed your toe, you know how important that toe is to you. Your toe is like the thumb for your foot. You need it. Without our big toes, we'd all be walking in circles. You wouldn't be able to balance. It gives us support. That's significant. He's saying, my blood is enough to support you. My life, my sacrifice is enough to support you. See, it doesn't matter where our feet take us. It doesn't matter if our feet take us over there or over there. Our blood reminds us that everywhere we step, everywhere we go is holy ground because his blood is applied. And that's a huge responsibility because it, our feet take us to places that we don't want to go sometimes. Our feet take us to places that make us uncomfortable sometimes. We have to look and see that blood applied to our toes and know that God is going before us. God is there with us. It reminds us that he is our path and he's guiding our path. See, without his path, we, we wander around, but we have to see his blood applied. We are to go to where he wants us to go. That's hard sometimes. And it doesn't matter where our feet take us, we're taking him with us. See, it reminds us every day that our feet are dirty. They don't always take us to the best places, but yet the blood is applied. That we're all sinners. We, we recognize that we're all sinners. We're not worthy, but his blood covers us. We need his cleansing blood to lead us. Everywhere that we go, we're its holy ground. See, we need him in our lives. We need him in our ministries, at our jobs. Everywhere we go, every step of the way, we need his blood applied. See, effective priests walk with him daily. Like I told you guys before, when I was going through this, it really made me uncomfortable because I don't always do these things. I don't always let God anoint my ears to hear other people. I don't always do his work with my hands like I should. I don't always let him guide my feet to where they should go. Sometimes my sins keep me from those. But I just recognize that that blood applied doesn't make me perfect, but it just makes me cleansed. I can do his work. You can do his work even when you feel like you're not worthy, even when you feel like you're not clean enough. That blood is applied. Do his work. He wants us to be an effective priest, even if it's uncomfortable. So the blood's applied to the ears so they could hear his voice, so they can hear others, so they can hear the prayers of the people of Israel that were going out to them. That the weight of their sin was on their hearts, it was on their shoulders. They had the blood applied to their hands so they could do God's work when no one else could. They had the blood applied to their toes so they could go into his presence when no one else could. So I couldn't imagine what they were feeling. So in chapter 9, they finally get to go and do their priestly duties, what they were trained for, that dirty and dangerous job that they were been training for, that they didn't, if they didn't do everything that God commanded, if they didn't do everything perfect, if they didn't do everything God said to them, they could die. So I could just imagine their excitement and what they were feeling at the time. The weight of the entire nation on their shoulders, making sure they did everything that God commanded them to do so they wouldn't die. They carry the sacrifices for the people that they minister to, like the blood that had covered their bodies. Something awesome happened. They sacrificed 
the offering for themselves because they knew that they were sinners. Then they sacrificed the offering for the people to cover their sins. And they sacrificed the things to be in God's presence. All these things were carried out. And that's when we pick up in verse 22 through 24, chapter 9. So Aaron and his sons, they carry out their priestly duties. They do everything that God commanded them to do. After that, Aaron raised his hands toward the people and blessed them. Then after presenting the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering, he stepped down from the altar. Then Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle. And when they came back out, they blessed the people again. And the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. The fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw this, they shouted with joy and they fell face down on the ground. See, these people worshiped God. They fell face down because not only did they see their presence, but they knew that the sacrifices the priest put up for them, God accepted it. And their sins were forgiven, so they could not help but fall in his presence and worship him. See, that's how they worshiped God, was with sacrifices. See, our worship to him is different. Our sacrifices to him is different. When we stand and sing when we don't want to, when we really don't feel like it, we're honoring God. We're glorifying God. Every time that we hear someone, every time that we help someone, every time our feet takes us to somewhere that we don't want to go, it glorifies him. That's how we worship. Just Wednesday night, I went through this. I was, I was kind of feeling bad because of allergies, and I was tired, and I just you know, pity, pity me, and I didn't feel good. And I was sitting back here, and we had the youth in here, and we were fixing to worship, and I was sitting there, I don't even feel like standing. And then I was instantly reminded by that still voice of God saying, get up, get up. And worship me because I'm worthy. We have to worship him. We have to do these things. We have to be effective priests even when we don't feel like it. Because he's our ultimate sacrifice. Even when it's uncomfortable. We're to worship him because he deserves it. See, that's the result of an effective priesthood. See, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we live on God's word. We listen to his voice. We walk in his presence. When we carry out his works, he is glorified. He is pleased. When we die to ourselves and then we live for God by his power, by his blood, we're showing Christ to others. We're showing God's love to others. That's how we are effective priests. Every child you teach, every person that you talk to at your workplace, every cup of coffee you make for someone, every door that you open for someone, it does not matter. An effective priest hears. They have the blood that can do the work. Even when you don't feel like it, God is glorified. There's nothing too little or insignificant. Just because you think you're not worthy, that's not big enough, your titles do not matter. Every one of us are priests and see covered by the blood. An effective priest becomes a living sacrifice to God because he gave the perfect sacrifice. He gave the perfect sacrifice for us. That's how we can be effective priests because he is our ultimate sacrifice. See, in John, we hear that I give myself 
to give himself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. He is our ultimate sacrifice. The days of sacrificing animals symbolically is over. He sacrificed himself once and for all. So we can be effective priests to carry out his works because we had the blood applied to our ears. We had the blood applied to our hands. We had the blood applied to our feet. And we are covered in his blood. We are made righteous by his blood. Yet we're still sinful and we're still dirty and we'll still mess up. Even though you don't feel worthy that I'm not good enough to be a priest. I'm not good enough to talk to that person. I'm not good enough to hear their problems. I'm not good enough to do what you want me to do. I'm not good enough to go where you want me to go. You look down and you see the blood applied to your thumbs and you know that you can do his work because he gives you strength. That you see the blood on your ears and that you can listen because of his sacrifice. In Hebrews it says, he has become our eternal high priest. He's become our eternal high priest. He was our ultimate sacrifice. He's our high priest. He goes to the Father for us. As he was hanging on the cross, as they put the crown of thorns on his head and the blood streamed down onto his ears and onto his hands, onto his feet, he became our sacrifice. He became our high priest. So guess what? He is our high priest. That makes each one of us priest. And Christ lives in our hearts. Each one of you are priest. Sometimes it's difficult. There's no amount of schooling. There's no amount of training. But God's calling you to be a priest. A priest to others, a priest at your workplace, at school. It does not matter. Just when you think you cannot do it, you look down and you see that blood applied. You can because he gave himself for us. See all these things in Exodus and Leviticus, he's saying, do not enter. You cannot come in. You're unworthy. You're unclean because what Christ did for us on the cross, because Christ became our high priest, he opens that curtain for us. We know that it's torn from the top down. That curtain is open. And not only can we come in that curtain, but we can stay. And not only does he want us to stay, he wants us to bring others with him. That's what we're called to do. We cannot do that if we cannot be ears that listen. We can't do that if we don't do his work. We can't be an effective priest if our feet do not take us where he wants us to go. We have to see the blood applied. That's how it affects us. See, the priests were able to go to God because they were covered. They had the blood applied to their ears. They could hear God's voice. We hear God's voice by staying in his word. We see the blood applied to our hands just when we think we can't do it. We can't do his work. We're not good enough. Our hands are dirty. My life is dirty. But you see the blood applied. And that makes you covered. That makes you an effective priest to carry out his work. Jesus gets us through that curtain. He became our high priest. Romans 12, 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So just like the Hebrews, when they fell face down, they saw God's glory. When we do his works, when 
we do what he wants us to do. When we're effective priests, he is glorified and we worship him. He is pleased. We have that great power through Christ. And see, that power is a huge responsibility. It's not easy. We don't always feel like doing it. So when our enemies tell us, how can you, how in the world can you be a priest? Look at all the things you've done. Look at all the places you go. Look at how dirty and crooked and sinful you are. When our enemy, when Satan tells you you're not good enough, you, you show him the blood that's applied to your ears. And they're applied because of what he did on the cross for you. You show him the blood on your hands that you can do his work. You show him the blood on your toes that I can go to all places. I can go anywhere. I can follow God because he goes before me. That he's applied his blood to my life. I'm clean because he shed his blood for me. I can do these things because he made the ultimate sacrifice for me. That that blood applied to my foot, that blood that he shed one day, He's going to stomp Satan's head. That same power lives in us. That's a great responsibility because he's calling each and every one of us to be priest. He ordained Aaron and his sons by applying blood. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and that blood was shed, that blood was applied to us. It was applied to our hearts. So we're to be effective ears. We're to be priests that work with our hands. And see, we're not just to do one or the other. We may have special gifts or, or, or special talents or abilities, but he wants it all. He wants us to be a full sacrifice, pleasing to him. So not only we to listen, we're to do his works, we're to go to where he wants us to go, even when it's uncomfortable. We're all priests because we're covered in his blood. So our enemies, the other people around you, they can't tell you that. Listen to his word. Listen to his voice. When Satan tells you you're not good enough, you show him the blood applied. You let him see it. See, we all have a purpose. You might be sitting here, I'm like, I don't have a ministry. I don't serve in anything. Guess what? You are all priests. You all have a purpose. And that's a great responsibility. That power that you have is a great responsibility. Because sitting here today, you may not feel like a priest, but you are because you're covered in his blood. We were to carry out his work. So when you know that your enemies are telling you you can't, you point to that blood on your ear. You point to the blood on your hands. You point to the blood on your toes because he shed it for you. You can do his work because you have thumbs. You can walk straight and you can walk beside him because you have big toes that are covered and his blood. But every sin, every mistake, every step is covered by his blood because he is our ultimate sacrifice. And then because of his sacrifice becomes our high priest. He goes to the Father for us. So when the Father looks at us, he doesn't see the simple people that we are. He sees his children. And not only does he see children, but he sees his priests going out there to do his work. Because not only does Christ want us to come in the tabernacle to be with him, he wants us to bring others with him. That's what we're to do. We're to be his feet. We're to be his hands. We're to be his ears. Even though that we're not perfect. In closing, I want to read a poem that 
No one really knows exactly who wrote this poem, but during research, most people think it was an African uh, minister who converted, and that he was being cast out from his tribe because he would not denounce the name of Christ, and he decided to follow him instead. And I want this to speak to you. I want this to stick with you today and sing with your heart because I think this should, should be our anthem as as old believers and new believers, if you're sitting here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're thinking, that's a huge responsibility. I don't know if I want that. The priest went in for seven days. It doesn't happen overnight. You can go out of here knowing that Christ is your Savior and they can work on you from there. But let this speak to you. It's called the Fellowship of the Unashamed. It says, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, property, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions few, my God reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, or meander in the maze of meteorocracy. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go until he comes. Give till I drop, preach to all I know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problems recognizing me, for my banner will be clear. That's what he's calling us to do. With great power comes great responsibility, yet we're covered by that blood. We are all priests. Even though we think we can't do it, that blood is applied to our ears, to our hands, so we can do his work, our feet so we can go to where he wants us to go, to carry out the gospel. We are all priests, whether you like it or not. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Leviticus. We thank you for the Old Testament and what it teaches us. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross that was applied to our lives. We, we appreciate and we thank you that you spilled your blood, that you were the ultimate sacrifice for us, that we can lean on you, that you bear our burdens, that you bear our sins, and you gave yourself for us. And we did not deserve it. You died the death that we deserve. 
you took the punishment that we deserved. Lord, I pray that there's anyone here today that does not know you as their high priest. Lord, just let them accept that gift today. It's free. All they have to do is confess that you were Lord and that you died for them and that you're going to be Lord over their life. That your blood is going to cover every sin. Even though they think they're dirty, your blood is enough to cover them. Lord, there's people here like myself that are sitting here and like, Lord, I've not been the priest that you've called me to be. My ears have let me down. My hands have let me down. My feet have let me down. But your blood covers them. Your blood gives me the power to hear others. Your blood gives me the power to hear your voice and to hear your word. Your blood on my hands gives me the power to do your work even when I don't feel like it. The blood on my feet, I'm able to go when you tell me to go. I'm able to go to where you tell me to go. Not because of my ability, but because of your blood that's covering me. It's your blood that covers us. Lord, just help us. Give us the ability to go out of here and be effective priests for your kingdom. Whether that be at church, or at school, or at work, or on vacation, on the golf course, inside the fishing boat, it does not matter. Wherever we go, wherever our feet take us, wherever your blood takes us is holy ground. Let us treat it as such because you're worth it. Your sacrifice is worth it. And every time that we do your work, you're glorified. We worship you. You're glorified.